Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We are located in Collinsville, Virginia. We are glad you joined us today. If you head over to our webpage, you can find more ways to serve, more sermons like this, as well as opportunities to support this ministry through giving. We pray God's blessing on the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Amen. season, but it's just so perfect for the Scrooge study, because we're participating in that, and so we had last Tuesday night's lesson, uh, but some of the words are just so, uh, it's, it's like Scrooge is singing them, the tattered ends of ruined dreams, this was my lot, or so it seemed, his saving grace, my night dispelled, now he is my Emmanuel, and um, I just think that was, that was Scrooge, but it's all of us too, isn't it?
Friends, we have two readings today. Our first reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, Galatians 6, beginning in verse 4 and ending in verse 7. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. Our second reading comes from Matthew chapter 20. And if you are able, I would invite you to stand in honor of our gospel lesson. Hear this parable of Jesus. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out to the marketplace about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And they went. So he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, and he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, am I doing you no wrong? Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. And I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Friends, these are the words of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. Uh, I remember the little tykes all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> We're Marley and Marley. 
should have known our evil deeds would put us both in shackles. Captive bound, we're double iron, exhausted by the waste. As freedom comes from killing love, so prison comes with hate. We're Marley and Marley. We're Marley and Marley. But my friends, you were not unfeeling towards your fellow men. True. There was something about mankind we loved. I think it was their money. <laughs> Doom, Scrooge. You're doomed for all time. Your future is a horror story written by your crime. Your chains are forged by what you say and do. words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you O Lord our rock and our redeemer place the cross before me allow none to see me but you and your grace alone for we ask these things in Christ's name amen so these next four weeks of advent we are going to be um as you can see here with our beautiful altar display, uh, we'll be going through this book by Matt Raw. It's called The Redemption of Scrooge. The Redemption of Scrooge. Somebody has mail. So, how many of you, just by a show of hands, are familiar with the Christmas Carol um, novel story? How many of you are familiar with it? And if nothing else, you perhaps you've, if you haven't read the story, perhaps you have at least um, seen one of the videos, one of the many videos that's out there um, to see. Um, I particularly like um, the Muppet one. Um, so. But if you think about it, for, the, for most of us, the, the tale of a Christmas carol is not your traditional feel-good Christmas story. And we find that out right from the opening words of the book. It begins with three kind of dire words. Marley was dead. That's a rather unconventional way to welcome in the holiday season, if you ask me. I mean, what goes better with Christmas than creepy ghosts? But by the end of Scrooge's journey, we find that Scrooge has found a new life. The Christmas Carol is an unconventional hero's tale. And so, as odd as it may seem, 
to start the Christmas story with death, by the end it all makes perfect sense. At the beginning of the story on Christmas Eve, Scrooge is just about as good as dead. His soul is frigid as the bleak winter air. And he goes on this difficult and this frightening journey and eventually wakes up Christmas morning a changed man. You see, the Christmas Carol is a timeless story, not only because we hear of Scrooge's past, present, and future, but because generations have told and retold this story in their own way. For over a hundred years now, a Christmas carol has been a part of our culture. It's a tale of redemption that will be with us for a long time to come. It's a story that has embedded itself into our culture and for many of us has become perhaps a routine fixture of our holiday traditions. Everyone knows what it means to be called a Scrooge. And everyone knows what it means to love Christmas like Tiny Tim. And everyone, at least some point in your life, has heard the dismissive response, Bah humbug, as Scrooge perfectly um, captures Scrooge's characteristics. You see, Scrooge is a sad man. And Christmas is not a happy time for him. But if we know the story of Scrooge, we realize that no time is a happy time for him. Scrooge is the figure that represents stinginess, greed, and generally being in a terrible mood in a time of a season where everyone else is fraught with charity. Testament to the negative image. This is something interesting from the book that I found. The negative image, you know... Um, Charles Dickens was uh, someone from England, and the name Ebenezer has carried such a horrible connotation since this writing of this book. In 2013, only 12 children in the entire country of England were named Ebenezer. But Ebenezer has not always been something tied to such a crude term. Ebenezer is a Hebrew word that literally means a stone of help. You may remember the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, where it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by my help I come. You see, even by the end of the story, Ebenezer Scrooge is a changed man. Something about our Christmas traditions won't let that be. For the majority of us, we don't remember Scrooge as the man who has been changed. Scrooge has always gone down in history as the antithesis of the holiday spirit. But friends, this time together as we share in this sermon series, what we want to see is that perhaps Scrooge's story still offers us hope. Maybe over the course of this worship series, even Ebenezer Scrooge's name might come to mean something different to you. Because if Ebenezer Scrooge can be redeemed, then certainly so can we. Friends, to this Sunday marks the beginning of our Advent season. Advent literally means 
to come or to wait. You see, these four Sundays before Christmas Day, the church gathers to wait for the birth of the child of Christ. During this time, we read stories from the Old Testament in which God laid out a plan to send a Messiah to save God's people. We find, like for instance, in the prophet Isaiah, we hear these words, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal One, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. We hear the same prophet tell us that a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow from its roots. We hear that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The wisdom and understanding shall be his. That he shall be granted the spirit of counsel and might. And he shall be given the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You see, this Advent season is a time of waiting. Waiting for something that has already happened is kind of a curious practice to be taken on. The Advent season plays with our notion of time. The church gathers in the present to remember the past so that we might reclaim our future hope. So a Christmas carol is a beautiful story, perfect perhaps, for the Advent season. Because it's a tale in which the past, present, and future all come together in one transformative night. Certainly, A Christmas Carol is a story about Scrooge's love for money. But it's also a story about how Scrooge cannot let go of his past. Jesus came. Jesus came to save us from thinking that our past is our only reality for the future. That's good news, wouldn't you think? Jesus came to save us from thinking that our past circumstances are somehow the only reality for our future. We find that the Egyptians, um, during the time when Moses led God's people out of Egypt, the people were not able to let go of their past and claim God's good future. They were wandering around in the wilderness for quite some time, and they became hungry, and they became thirsty. And they told Moses these words. They said, we would have rather died in Egypt, because at least in Egypt we had food and water. You see, the Israelites were unable to think about a future reality, because everything they believed was possible was stuck in their past. Maybe that, too, is a word for the church. Just maybe. To think that the only thing we have in the future is what worked for us in the past. But we find ourselves as we become a little bit like Scrooge. Where we're so tied to one thing or two things or three things 
that we miss out on God's new things. Instead of moving forward in faith, trusting that God was with them, the people kept looking over their shoulder, hopelessly lamenting over the way things used to be. You see, so the Advent season is a season for us to live in the wilderness like the Israelites. To live between what was and what will be. You see, living into this tension, remembering God's promises, and depending on faith to become spiritual disciplines. These are what keep us from becoming Scrooges ourselves. Friends, even though our own promised lands may seem to be far off, we hold tight to the promises of God. For the one who has promised is always faithful. So in Advent, we spend four weeks waiting. Waiting for Christ to come into the world. But I realize it's a strange thing to wait for something that's already happened. Some things can only happen once. If you are one of those people that likes to um, record your football games or your baseball games or your favorite TV show, you realize that when you watch the TV show and someone's already ruined the ending, it's not really a whole lot of fun to watch the game. It's like when you have a really good book, but someone's already told you the outcome. It makes it difficult to amass any sort of energy to keep on going. But Advent is different for us. Advent is a time in which we don't get bogged down and we say, well, there's the Christmas trees again. And here comes the cantata. And here comes the Salvation Army angels. Advent for Christians is a time for us to not wait in expectation that Jesus is somehow going to be born of a virgin once more. But it's a time for us to look intently each and every day to be reminded that what happened in the past is still a future reality for us. It's an opportunity, Advent is, for us to readjust our eyes, for us to be able to see where the divine continuously meets the world. It's a time for us to remember that God has indeed reconciled all things through Christ. But it's also a time to realize that the story isn't finished yet. Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of time. Trying. To help his. Disciples remember. To remember the stories, to remember his teachings. You know, the church does that too. We try to do things to help you remember things. One of the things that we do is, is we sing songs. And even if you don't know the Christian tradition, the majority of you can still finish the lyrics to our Advent songs. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Silent night, holy night. You see, we remind ourselves, we train ourselves. Because sometimes when we live into the world, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget the other 11 months 
out of the year that a child is born in Bethlehem that is the Savior of the world. Jesus spent a lot of time trying to increase the memory of his people, and he taught them through parables. Just like Silent Night, Holy Night, just like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, we remember parables. So I might be able to say to you, Prodigal Son, and you would be able to say God's love and forgiveness. I might be able to say to you, Good Samaritan, and you might be able to say hospitality and compassion. I might be able to say to you, sheep and goats. And you might be able to say, be weary of forgetting the sick, the hungry, and the imprisoned. And though Dickens' Christmas Carol is no longer a parable and it's not set to music, he uses the power of story to remind us that there is no soul too gruff, too cold, or too cantankerous, as the story says, for God's redeeming power. So friends, as the story of the Christmas carol begins, we find that Scrooge is sleeping. And all of a sudden, a servant's bell over the door chaotically chimes, waking Scrooge up from his meditative slumber, weighed down by heavy change, we see Jacob Marley coming through the door. Marley, Marley says that he has been tormented by an incessant torture of remorse concerning the way that he has lived his life. And part of Marley's punishment is that he's no longer able to find peace. So he tries to come back to his friend, his only friend, Scrooge. Part of Marley's punishment is that he's restless. And it's a restlessness that we all know well, too well during the holiday seasons. Anne actually just brought it up a little while ago. There are seamless things to give to. Everybody has their hand out looking for our charity. There are countless parties, decorations, concerts, gifts to rack, stockings to hang, or threaten to take down if you have kids. There's meals to prepare. And on the other hand, there is also a sense of loneliness, memories of loved ones who are no longer with us, the numbing silence of an empty house, the sadness of seeing giggling children, even though you could never have one yourself. Friends, Advent is a time of waiting, not only to live into the tension of when the divine and creation collide, but it's also the spiritual discipline to slow down. God is present in the midst of a hurried world. And if you go too fast, you'll miss him. This is why Psalm, the psalmist tells us to be still and to know that God is God. Because if we don't, we are forced to become like Jacob Marley doomed to wander in constant aimless motion this season for the next four weeks and then recover for the next three. We're forced to wander like a shopper on Christmas Eve 
trying to find a last-minute gift. You see, Marley offers, he comes to Scrooge to offer him a warning. He offers him a warning to be able to say, listen, the way that we've lived our lives is not the way that God wanted us to. At least that's the way I'm using it for the church. He, he comes to Scrooge and he, he comes to him to say something along the lines of, the motto of our life, you reap what you sow, is false. It's not right. It's not good. And in doing so, I think he echoes the words of Jesus' own parable today of the laborers. We remember the scene with Scrooge and Tiny Tim's father asking for some time off, and he says, you can have off after some debating just today. But what we find in the story of this parable is that perhaps what Paul says in Galatians is not totally right, at least the way that we've traditionally read it. This idea of you reap what you sow, at least not as it relates to God's economy. You all know the story. It's the story of a, a landowner who owns a vineyard. And this landowner goes out and he needs to hire some workers. So what he does is he goes down to the local hardware store and he finds some people out there ready to get, get to work. And he tells them first thing in the morning, listen, I got some work for you to do. Come on. And he hires them about 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll give you a full day's worth of wage. But there was still more work to be done. So what's he do? He comes back at 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. And he continually hires more people. When the shift is over at 6, people are ready for their pay. He pays the people that came there last first. The people that came in at 5 o'clock, they should only get what they got paid for for one hour of work, right? Wrong. The landowner pays them a full day's wage. And then he does the same thing for the person that came at 3. And then he does the same thing for the person that came at 12. And then he does the same thing for the person that came at 9. And those that got there first thing in the morning, they're sitting in the back and they're thinking to themselves, I'm going to get time and a half. You know what they got? They got paid the same thing that the person who came there in the last hour got. You see, this parable, what Marley offers us, is to be able to say, perhaps this idea of you reap what you sow isn't necessarily the way things work in a godlike economy. You see, in a way, Marley was weighed down by the chains he had forged in life, represented by the people that were there at the very beginning and worked the hardest, as we find in Jesus' parable. They believed they should reap what they sow, and what they should sow is time and a half. But Marley has come back to, root, to warn Scrooge that he's been sowing the wrong kinds of seeds. Scrooge responds to Marley. He says, but you are always a good man of business, Jacob. Why are you in chains? 
And I love what Marley says. Business. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. Marley can now see, even though it's a bit too late, that the plight of the poor, the plight of his neighbor, the plight of the tiny Tims, were always his business. You see, if Marley's ghost were to visit you, what might he warn you of? What might he say to you? Friends, there's hope. And there's hope because God's kingdom doesn't look like our kingdom. And that's a good thing. When Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she traveled to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And when they met, Mary offered a great vision of what God's kingdom looked like in the world. And this is the kingdom that Scrooge will ultimately come to see as we continue to travel with him the next couple of weeks. Mary offers what this great vision ends, is as she sings this song. With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior, because God has pulled the powerful down from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent away the rich empty-handed. God has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering God's mercy just as he had promised to their ancestors. During the Advent season, we begin by remembering the one who comes to bring past, present, and future into one transformative night is the God who comes to us just like Marley came to Scrooge to remind us that there's still a little bit of time left to unforge our shackles and be filled with the promise of hope. Amen. Thank you.